Amy and I some new tricks. <laughs> gentleman from Brazil is learning bluegrass, and uh, I'm learning a few things myself. So, uh, thank you so much. That was wonderful and uh, so very encouraging. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And in just a, a moment, I'm going to read verse 4 and 5 for us. I'm going to do something just a, a little different than our, our normal sermon. Um, I'd like to share this morning a vision, a vision that I believe God has been working in our midst and something that will lead us in the next 45 days. If you took out a calendar, you would see that today is March the 12th, and in about 30 days from now, it's Easter Sunday, April the 16th. Uh, Easter is a holiday that moves from different times, but in about 30 days, we'll be experiencing the resurrection. And in the life of the church, in the life of New Testament believers, this is our Super Bowl. This is our highlight of the year. Everyone celebrates and enjoys the, the season of Christmas, and, and, and everyone who knows Jesus is radically impacted by the resurrection. And so we begin that season over the next 30 or so days. And I'd like to share with what we believe God is leading us to do for this season of ministry together. And so the sermon is going to be something along the lines of a sermon, a little bit of a presentation, some community demographics, some church trends, state of the health of our church, and then hopefully a strategy that will guide us. And I believe you will be encouraged. I believe you'll be excited. I believe you'll be, like I am, very hopeful to see what God might do in our midst. But let's begin with the Word of God which is the most important. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, is a verse that I've chosen that in many ways epitomizes the gospel. It's the most central of messages. It's the most easy to comprehend, the most easy to understand, but it's infinite in its magnitude. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Let me read it again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This two verses speak of life and death. It speaks of God and of Jesus Christ. It speaks of love and grace and mercy. It speaks of the way we are saved and what we have been saved from. In the writing of the letter to the Ephesian church, the Apostle Paul wants to remind them of the past, the present, and the future, where they were, what Christ has done, and what has since happened. It's the past and the present and the future all in two verses. In the past, 
we, just like the Ephesians, were dead in our trespasses. Trespasses is an Old Testament word that means sin. And all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, prior to Christ, we were dead in our sin. We had a heart that was dead before a holy God. But in the present, we have a God who is rich in mercy. Amen? A God who is rich in love, great love, love that has been shown to us, a love that is unconditional, that compels us to see His fullness and His majesty. In the present, we see that God has saved us by His grace, grace that is greater than our sin. Amen? It's amazing grace. I stand amazed. The Nazarene, His grace, His grace is greater than our sin. I stand in amazement that God's grace would be applied to me. All of us needed God's grace. All of us needed God's amazing grace. But in the present, we've also been made alive in Christ. We were once dead, but we've been made alive. We've been made alive with Christ, together with Christ. We've been made alive to be born again. Just as Jesus died on the cross and rose again, because of our sin, we were all dead, but through the blood of Jesus, we rise. Amen? Resurrected, spiritually made new. And in the future, though not expressly mentioned in these two verses, we know that we will be together with Christ forever. The promises of abundant life now and eternal life then. There's a promise that when Jesus is our Lord, we will never be separated from Him. For there is nothing that can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. So there's this powerful gospel message. A message that completely explains the human condition in two verses. It explains what every person born on this planet is to God spiritually. We were dead in our trespasses. But God, because of His great love and His great mercy, mercy, made us alive in Christ. By grace we have been saved. If you are thankful for that grace, would you just say amen this morning? Amen. It's a powerful message, and it's as simple as A, B, C. You know these if you've ever been to Vacation Bible School. We admit, we admit, A, that we have sinned and that our sin makes us in rebellion against holy God. And all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. But this verse hinges on a transition. Though that we were dead, there has been new life offered. We can believe, B, A, admit, B, believe. We can believe that God loves us. Does God love you? Do you believe it? God is merciful, that God is patient, God is kind, God is grace-filled. We can believe that God has made a way for us to be saved, a way that only came through the sacrifice of His Son. He made a way through Jesus, and that way was made for you. We believe in that. We admit we're a sinner. We believe that Christ came to die on our behalf. And then we commit our lives, see, to Christ. We have to accept this free gift of forgiveness. We have to accept that His death paid for our sin. We have to accept the grace that was given to make us alive. 
that we will receive that grace both here on this earth and eternity to come. A, admit. B, these two little verses and with those little acronyms we have the gospel that's the message we want to share with everybody we know it's not a complicated message it's not a message that takes a lot of memorization or takes a lot of study it's a simple message but it's the message that can change the life of anyone a child a student a man or a woman a hardened heart it's all possible in those ideas that God loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us. And through faith in him, we can be made alive again. I, that's what our neighbors need to hear. Amen? That's what our children need to hear, our students need to hear. But as we move forward out of the principal gospel message, I want to focus in just on a little phrase in verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, this is inferred, God, He made us alive together with Christ. That God has made us alive together with Christ. Alive. He's made us alive. Is this church alive? Are you alive? Is this church alive? The slogan that our church has on the entry doors and on our signage is bringing church to life. Is this church alive? What we have discovered over the past two months, really since the beginning of January, is that we've been doing a study called Heartbeat. If you've been a part of our Wednesday night Bible study, you know that that stands for something, the H-E-A-R-T. I'm a preacher, I think, in alliterations and memory devices. Heartbeat stood for a study to look at the heartbeat of Jesus. What was his heartbeat? What was his heartbeat for his church? What was his heartbeat for our church? What was his heartbeat for our community, for our neighbors, for those around us? And the H stood for his mission, his mission. We learned that Jesus' mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. We learned that Jesus' mission was not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all who would believe. We learned that Jesus' mission was not to come and see, but to go and make disciples. Amen? To baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to observe everything that He has commanded us and His promise, and lo, I will be with you always, even until the ends of the earth. That was Jesus' mission. That was the age. But we also had the E, and that was that everyone's needed. Everyone's needed. Jesus' heartbeat for those that have been saved by His blood is to be involved in His mission. Would you agree? If you are dead in your sins and Jesus through His grace and God through His grace has made you alive with Christ, should you not now be involved in the mission of Christ? His mission was to seek and save that which was lost. His mission was to go and make disciples. His mission was not to be served, but to serve. So if we are truly His, his hands and His feet, should we not be involved in His mission? that every Christian is called to be a participant, 
not an observer. That one didn't get an amen. Every Christian is called to be a participant, not an observer. But that took us to the A, and that was which went for all around us. In a study, we looked at all those around us, and I'm going to encourage you to turn your attention to the screens for a few moments because I want you to see some things as best as you can. We studied our community all around us. We looked at a five-mile radius around Younger's Creek Baptist Church. And we looked at the demographic data and the geographic data of those that live within our most reachable area. And we learned about their age and their family and their income level, their education level, their ethnicity, their interest in spiritual things, and what we would call their spiritual receptivity. How willing were they to hear this message that Jesus died to save sinners like you and I? And I want to show you a little bit about your community. Within just five-mile radius, some 5,543 people live. 5,000 people live within a five-mile radius, a little closer to 5,500. And it's actually not going down. It's increasing. In the next five years, your five-mile radius is going to grow by 7%. That means people are moving to our region. Amen? That's a good thing. Within a five-mile radius, we're actually going to have more houses and more families and more people moving in over the next five years than moving out. Some areas actually have a negative growth rate. This community has a positive growth rate. But what I have learned and what you will now see is that one-fourth of those families, one-fourth of that population has no faith involvement whatsoever. 25% of those households have no faith involvement. To do it mathematically, that's something along the lines of 1,375 people. That if you were to knock on their door and if you were to ask them the question, do you know Jesus? Some 1,300 would say, I don't have a relationship with him. I'm not involved in a church. I'm not involved in any kind of group. I have no access, no relationship with Jesus. The average age of your community is 39 years old. I thought this was quite interesting because the thought may be that our community is getting older, but that's actually not the case. Your community is getting younger. Your community is the exact same age that Jennifer and I are, 39 for one more year. <laughs> Miss Raquel just turned 40, is that right? And she was happy about it. She was celebrating. I'm holding back. I still have a few months to go. But the average age of our neighbors here in the five-mile radius is about 40, which means they most likely have children. They most likely have teenagers. They most likely have young people in their home. It's most likely the fact that they're not just a mom and a dad or empty nesters, that they're probably filled with little people buzzing around, sometimes grade schoolers, sometimes high schoolers, maybe early college age. Some of them may have new babies because the average would obviously include some younger 
Something that broke my heart about our neighborhood is one out of five households are a single parent household. That means if you knocked on five doors, one out of every five door would be a mom or a dad doing it all alone. Raising a family all by themselves. Whether through divorce, through some brokenness, whether maybe never married in the first place. But there's lots of people in our neighborhood. Did you know that about your neighbors? Did you know that about a five-mile radius of Younger's Creek Church? Well, we also learned a bit about their faith receptivity and what style of preferences they might have. And we actually learned that we are the most perfect church positioned to reach our neighbors. Would you believe it? Take a look at this next slide. It says that their faith receptivity is very high. That means they're very open to a conversation about Jesus, very open to the things of God. They're not going to throw away things of faith. They're actually interested in the things of faith. And if they are asked what their style preference is, they prefer something somewhat tradi traditional. And guess what, Younger's Creek? We are somewhat traditional. <laughs> that got an amen. If I would have said you're somewhat contemporary, you would have booed at me. But somewhat traditional is exactly who we are. So 5,500 people will live within five miles of us. 1,375 have no faith involvement. One out of five have a single parent home. They're young people with young kids or young families. They're their average age is 40, and in their receptivity, they're open, and they're looking for a somewhat traditional church in a five-mile radius of their home. Ding, 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 Do we have a winner? Well, if they're all around us, and they're all receptive, and they're all interested in a somewhat traditional church, why are they not here? We continued on with the H-E-A-R, heart. The R stood for reaching up and down. We talked about different generations and builders and boomers and Gen Xers and millennials and Gen Z, and we found out that our church is primarily built up of builders and boomers with the smattering of Gen Xers and hardly no millennials. We learned that we got to talk about generations intersecting together. It's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about our student ministry, so passionate about bringing college students here, is because I need our congregation to intersect with every generation possible. Musically, we need to intersect with every generation. Ministry-wise, we need to intersect with every generation. In the way we focus our daily lives as a community, we need to intersect with every generation. Amen? We need every generation. Amen? We need those with gray hair and those with no hair. And we need some who think they're wise because they're young, and we need some who think they're fools because they've been wise and they're old. We need every generation. We talked at the end about T, taking action. Now, this was a shift. This was a shift in our discussion that led us to go through a series of conversations about dreams, problems, and solutions. And you might remember these little cards. They were on that board and they had a D for dreams, and you had many dreams. I did not provide one dream. These were your dreams. 
for people to hear the gospel in our community, to build a fellowship hall, to start a mission team to go out in the community and help others, to utilize our church facility for outreach and missions during the summer for kids and adults, uh, to have the sanctuary full every Sunday. Here was a dream I love to see church grow in numbers, especially with Gen X, in hopes that we would increase younger generations. A dream to have every church member be actively engaged in the work of the church so that they feel like they're part of the body. These were your dreams. They were good dreams, amen? Well, as that conversation got to the point of taking action, somebody said something that everyone agreed with. And I have learned in leadership that when someone says something and everybody nods their head and everyone's eyes open up and everyone's body language says, this is right, push that button because you have found the vision. In a conversation, Miss Bonnie, she can raise her hand there if she wants. She's given testimony. She made the comment, and I'm paraphrasing, I want our entire community to know that our church is alive. Yeah, it was her vision. And everybody started not. Yes, you want to... Laura, you're both to blame. You're both to blame for what's about to happen. No, I'm good. I'm good. That's, that's wonderful. And actually, everyone was in so much agreement, and everyone seemed to be so much on the same page, and, and the ministry kind of, sort of, heart, the heart started beating. There was a vision. And actually what I did was I wanted to see, does this bear out? Is this actually true? Is our church alive? Well, the data proves our church is alive. Did you know that we are actually growing in our worship attendance? We are actually growing. Over the last 100 days, our trend line is up and to the right. See the red line? Our average attendance is 116 a Sunday. That is growth. Now, it's not tremendous growth. It's not 250, but we're growing. We're actually growing in our worship attendance. And our giving is actually growing. Now, this is a real important metric because the more you grow, you should also be growing in the resources. Otherwise, you're not going to have the resources to reach more people. And we're growing in our giving trend. Right now, it shows that we are giving right at $3,800 a week. Now, our budget is about $5,000, so we're not quite there. But it's not down and to the left. It's up and to the right. We're growing. And we know that our church is alive. Not that these metrics say it alone, but that there's an energy and a vitality. I can barely get you people to stop greeting each other. The number of kids going to children's church increases every week. Our Dean Al weekend, 15 students. Last Sunday in the student ministry, 11 teenagers. We're growing. We're growing. Our church is alive. So now, what vision should we have for the next 45 days? Well, let's get to the strategy. Let's get to the strategy. We're going to focus on reaching out and re we would like to focus our message to reach out and to refresh with the message our church is alive. We would like to reach out to every single household, all 
5,500 within a five-mile radius of our church. And we would like to refresh our first impressions so that we welcome each and every one with warmth, having done all that is needed to make them feel welcome and wanted. And there are three strategies for reach out and three for refresh. And when we land this ship, we'll be done. Are you doing okay? You doing all right? Reach out, three strategies. The first is serve Saturday. Serve Saturday. There was a dream that we would have mission teams go out into our community and do mission projects for those in our neighborhood and within our five-mile radius. That wasn't my vision. That was your vision. And so on Saturday, April the 1st, Saturday, April the 1st, we're going to do Serve Saturday. It will be from 9.30 until noon, and we are going to invite anyone who is interested to come, and we're going to get in little teams of two or three, no more than four, and do mini mission projects. Mini mission projects that take maybe an hour and a half, two hours at the most. We're not building a house. You know, we're not going to basically uh, refinish someone's driveway. Nothing that big but just a couple hours of mission work in our neighborhood, possibly doing landscaping for somebody, or washing windows, or trimming some trees and shrubs, maybe organizing a basement, maybe moving some furniture that needs to go to a storage unit, just helping some folks out that live in our community. Now here's the key. I don't know anybody other than you in this community. So I need your help in identifying five to seven mini mission projects for us. That means you get to reach out and say to a neighbor, say to someone that lives close, listen, our church is wanting to serve our neighbors. Is there something that we could possibly help you out with on April the 1st? Could we wash your windows? Could we help you with your basement? Could we clear out the landscaping, maybe trim some trees? And think about those that particularly maybe are a little bit older and in need of some, some help. Think about those that maybe are living in a, a shut-in situation or a homebound situation, and we can just drive 15, 20 minutes away, if that be possible, take our little team that fits in a car, and just serve for a couple hours. And I'll need you to give me their names and their phone number so that I can make the arrangements for Serve Saturday. If you're interested, could you say, I'll do it? Okay, that was not the best. That is Serve Saturday, Saturday, April the 1st. The second is the Easter mailing. Okay, now this one's going to take just a, a minute more to explain, but I'm very, very excited about this. The week after Serve Saturday, April the 3rd through April the 7th, every residence in our five-mile radius will receive an invitation to Younger's Creek Baptist Church. Every family every single home. We can't do post office boxes. It doesn't work that way, but everyone who has a residential address will receive a card that invites them to Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. I'll let you look at the front of the card. It's very attractive, very pleasant, very engaging. The back of the card gives information about Easter Sunday, April the 16th, and Palm Sunday, April the 9th. Palm Sunday has an egg hunt. So not only are we inviting them to worship with us on Palm Sunday, 
but also to come around at 12.30 for an egg hunt, particularly for families, particularly for those with little ones, 12.30 egg hunt. But then also to come back on Easter Sunday, April the 11th. I'll show you the next picture because these are going to go to every home in this next region. If you look at that circle, and in the blue of the circle, so circle is the perimeter, blue inside the circle is the actual residences that will receive this invitation. And it's perfectly within our five-mile radius. Do you see the similarities with what you saw earlier? We're targeting those that live within our five-mile radius, that 5,500 people out of 3,500 homes. Now, also, I will give you two cards so that you can invite anyone else you would like to invite that might live outside of that radius, someone that you particularly work with, a family member that you know. But we're not trying to reach people who are a part of other churches. We're trying to reach people who are currently unchurched or de-churched or just not involved at that particular time. That's going to be the mailing. Serve Saturday, the mailing, and lastly, in Reach Out, is our guest focus. Now, you start inviting all these people. Younger Street, can I can get your attention? You start inviting all these people, guess what? Some of them will come. They'll come. Don't know how many, but they'll come. And we need to make sure that we have done everything to make them feel welcome, that we have done everything possible to make them feel warmly welcome. We need greeters at every door, back door, front door, side door. We will need to make sure that if it's raining, everybody gets an umbrella and goes out and walks with them to the church. The umbrella squad is what I'm calling them, like on a strike force looking for cars to come into the parking lot. You're out there before they even are ready to get out, and they're going to feel like, oh, who's this stranger at my door with an umbrella? It's Younger's Creek. We need to make sure that we have some homemade goods that they can go home with on Palm Sunday, little things ready for the egg hunt, little Easter baskets, little gifts that we can give the kiddos. Some have already been made and have already been donated. We need to make sure that we have everything in our kids' area as well-polished and well-put-together as possible. Remember, most of these families have an average age of 40, which means they're probably going to bring kids or teenagers with them. And we want to make sure everything is looking as it should and that everything is ready for their visit. Very guest-focused. We should be guest-focused every Sunday, amen? But we better be these two. We will have invited every single family in a five-mile radius to Younger's Creek. And if they feel as if they're really just someone that popped in and popped out, the likelihood of reaching them for Christ diminishes. So Reach Out is Serve Saturday, the mailing, and the focus of our guest. But let's also talk quickly about Refresh. Refresh. Not only are we going to focus on Reach Out, but Refresh. In Refresh, we're going to just think about the exterior things that make first impressions. Well, would you agree you never get a second chance to make a first impression? And did you know that the first impressions of people who come here 
have nothing to do with the sermon, nothing to do with the music, nothing to do with the atmosphere inside the building. Did you know that? They are already deciding whether they're coming back a second time before they even get inside the building. The building is really secondary. The worship is actually secondary. The music is secondary. The preaching is secondary. The first line of defense is what's on the outside, not what's on the inside. And so we need to make sure our first impressions are tip-top refreshed. We need to make sure our website is the absolute easiest to understand and easiest to find us with maps and times and all those kinds of things. But have no worry. I'm controlling the website. I've got it taken care of. So y'all don't have to worry about that one. Jeff got me the user rights. I got that one covered. I'll handle the website. We also need to worry about our first impressions with signage, particularly road signage. And I'm asking the trustees and asking the church to consider redoing, refreshing the road signage that leads up the highway on 62 and the one that's actually outside of the interstate ramp here on exit number eight. I'm also asking us to think about our landscaping outside. We met with the trustees Wednesday and they proposed maybe that we would invite a landscaping company to come in and just do a, a refresh. There's nothing wrong with our landscaping. The grass is well cut, but it could just use a little refreshing. We want to make sure everything looks very nice and very well put together. We also want to make sure that our kids' areas are doing the very, very best. Now, the nursery work that was done a few weeks ago is tremendous. Have you all seen the nursery re refreshed? Isaac, here's a picture of that, buddy. You can find it there. He's got it. The nursery looks gorgeous. It looks so good. I didn't know this was being done, but I walked by and I felt like a gift had been given. All those little elves who made this happen, thank you. Could you go to the toddler room now? And elf it. And then downstairs in the basement, a couple rooms could use your elf-like work. And then we got a few closets that we shove everything in that we don't want people to see. You're still feeling very elfy? Keep going. Just dig in and throw it out. Uh, it's okay. But that is so attractive. Families will not drop off kids, teenagers, little ones in facilities that look worse than their home bedrooms. So go to the children's place at the E-Town Mall, take a look at what it's supposed to look like, and then if you're feeling fuzzy, just go after it. Uh, we need to make sure our childcare areas at every level, bathrooms as well. We have a little bit of a bathroom problem here. Not like people need to go to the bathroom, but there's not a lot of bathroom options. Now we are going to renovate the ones downstairs in the fellowship hall. We just need to make sure that everything we have looks like we're ready for guests. You would not invite anybody to your home for Christmas or Thanksgiving without doing a great first impressions check. You would make it smell nice, flowers out, make sure the carpet is vacuumed, make sure everybody's got a parking place, make sure there's a plan, make sure the lights are on outside, make sure everything is well manicured, the grass is mowed, everything looks pretty, right? You would do that, right? Well, we're inviting 3,000 people to Younger's Creek Church. 
count? Will all 3,000 come? No. Will 10% come? Probably not. Five? Probably not. We're talking one to two percent, three at the most. But that's still 50 people. If we grew by 50 people on Easter Sunday, I mean, y'all gonna have to hold me down. I'm gonna have a Pentecostal run. I'm just gonna have a run here. I'm gonna do the, the miracle mile. I may make a whole loop. That's what it's about. It's about reaching out and refreshing. Now, let me end here where our time is out. I want you to know that our team, our staff, deacons, core group of leaders, all on board. This vision was not something that I hatched up. It was something that came from the body, came from within, came from ladies and men who were thinking about the heartbeat of Jesus. If you would like to be involved, there, there's a little sign-up board right there. If there's not a whole lot to sign up for, serve Saturdays on there, some exterior help, child spaces is there, being a greeter. But more than anything else, I need you to embrace a vision of reach out and refresh. We can run this for the next 45 days, and let's just say it goes a little well. Well, that's all we're really planning for. We're not revolutionizing the church. We're not changing up the service times. We're not building a new building. It's really from now until the week after Easter. But if you would get on board with this vision, I believe God will expand our ministry. I truly believe that. Because I believe he's got greater things in store for Youngers Creek than we could ever think or imagine. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for a vision that comes from people within. Scripture says, without vision, the people will perish. And I thank you, Lord, for vision that, that rises up in seeking your mission and desire you have for us in ministry in our neighborhood. I pray your blessing on this time for the next 30, 45 days. I pray that you would guide us, strengthen us, 